Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Horror Haven Podcast. I'm Steven. I'm Dylan. I'm Sierra. I'm Erica. And this week, we are kicking off the summer with Friday the 13th, part one through three. So get ready to take a trip to Camp Blood with us. So it seems like the Friday the 13th game has finally dropped. I've checked out the beta, and I must say it seems like a pretty awesome game. Unfortunately, I am hearing a lot about the servers being shit. Hopefully I'll be able to play the game and get to enjoy it, because like I said, I've only really experienced the beta, but it seems like a pretty awesome idea for a game like you know just your basic survival horror so if you know you got a bunch of friends together and you guys are looking to play a fun horror game why not go with the friday the 13th franchise with that being said uh, yeah he's like no i'm not paying money for that right now dude it's it's 40 bucks but i'm gonna wait you know let them patch it up because the servers are really bad right now i must say it's it's a lot to get a game going comes out it does that like the servers suck for a for at least a few weeks. Well, you have to well, remember, yeah. too, like, this is a crowdfunded game. It was basically a fan project that got the attention of, like, a lot of big people. I know, like, Tom Savini was heavily involved in making it as well. Yeah, I, I like it from what I've seen so far. I haven't gotten a chance to play it, but I guess they're adding a lot of stuff to it as well, like new locations. Uh, they're supposedly adding, like, a single-player mode. Which I'm kind oh, of, okay. I'm kind of curious about, but uh, from what I've seen now, it looks great. I like the uh, the little Easter eggs. The locations are awesome. You can go to like Higgins Haven and uh, Jason's shack and everything, and the summoning yeah. the summoning of Tommy Jarvis to kill Jason. Jason, I think yeah, that's which, awesome. which is so cool. Yeah, and like Tommy even actually has like a voice and like speaks throughout the game. Also, there's like fatalities that Jason can perform. Yeah, uh, there's like a bunch of different ones, and I just love how graphic they look. And it, it just, it looks like a fun game. I just can't wait for it to be all patched up. And I think I'm probably going to invest in it because, you know, there's nothing like getting a game together with a bunch of friends, especially like a horror game that you could play with friends online. It just seems pretty fun. And uh, another thing I noticed, you can also set up traps mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, slow Jason down. So it's just really interesting. I've never, I, I besides like, I think there was a different game like that. Uh, I've played on Steam. I can't remember the name of it, but you were like a killer, and then like you, there were survivors. So it, the gameplay is like that, but it's just it's interesting, and it's nice to see a revamped version of Friday Thirteenth because we all know how bad the the one for uh, Nintendo was by <laughs> LJN. Uh, that game was just confusing as fuck. It was hard. Jason was impossible to beat, and the map was so ass backwards. If you've never played that game and you want to experience it without having to play it, just go watch the Angry Video Game Nerd episode, uh, and you, you just you can see the frustration. It's Did fucking a ridiculous game. Did they release that on a website? Release what? The, the Jason game for Nintendo. It was for Nintendo. I don't know if they released because it on Because I, re- I remember when I got like my second desktop when I was younger, playing a Friday 13th game on that. Some website might have uploaded it. Um, it wasn't impossible. I don't. It's, that's why I'm like wondering if it's the same game or not. Which probably not. Then this game, like you don't know what you're doing while playing. It. Yeah, it's so <laughs> it was, like, a really cheap made, cheaply made game. And Kyle might know what I'm talking about. I'll show you it later. Phone a friend. I have it. <laughs> if you really want to get, it's pretty bad. I must say. 
But no, I, I agree. It does, this game does look good, and it's nice to see like a project that a lot of passion went into rather than just here's a video game with the name slapped on it. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah, it looks like they put in a lot of effort into stick it with the movies. I like the different skins or costumes that Jason has in this. So hopefully, uh, like I said, once everything gets patched up, it'll be a solid game to play for everyone to enjoy. And uh, with that being said, let's get into the Friday the 13th series. Steve should never have opened this place again. There's been too much trouble here. Did you know that a young boy drowned the year before those two others were killed? The counselors weren't paying any attention. They were making love while that young boy drowned. His name was Jason. I was working the day that it happened, preparing meals. Here, I was the cook. Jason should have been watched every minute. He was... He wasn't a very good swimmer. We can go now, dear. I think we should wait for Mr. Christie. Oh, that's not necessary. I don't understand. Jason. You see, Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. Where's Mr. Christie? Oh, I couldn't let them open this place again. Could I? Not after what happened. Oh, my sweet, innocent Jason. My only child. Jason. You let him drown. You never paid any attention. Look what you did to him. Look what you did to him. Friday the 13th was released in 1980 following the success of Halloween. It was directed and produced by Sean S. Cunningham and written by Victor Miller. Victor Miller later went on to say that the movie was ripping off the success of Halloween, but Sean S. Cunningham, regardless, was excited to work on the project. It was starring Betsy Palmer, Adrian King, Harry Crosby, and I'm going to throw Kevin Bacon in there because... You have to mention Kevin Bacon. I was going to say, you <laughs> definitely have to throw in Kevin Bacon. Come on. Uh, the movie was originally titled A Long Night at Camp Blood, but the name was changed by Cunningham later on to Friday the 13th. He believed so much in the name that he took out an ad space to promote the name Friday the 13th, which raised a lot of attention. The budget for the movie was $500,000, but it went on to raise $39 million in box office, despite having negative reviews. Later reviews went on to give it a more positive rating, and it did gain a cult following, so it's very mixed, the things you find online blending from when it first came out to now. Uh, the movie follows a group of teenagers who are going to a summer camp to be counselors after the camp has been closed for 30 years. The teenagers start dying one by one. They're talking earlier in the movie about an old legend of Jason who drowned in the lake when the counselors weren't paying attention, and he still haunts the woods. It's later revealed that Jason's mother is the killer, and she 
gets her head cut off by the the final girl, Alice. The final scene shows Alice uh, sitting in a boat in the lake. The cops come and she thinks she's being rescued, but a deformed child, Jason, leaps out of the water and grabs her. She wakes up in the hospital and the cops say, you were the only one there, there was no boy, to which she responds, he must still be there then, and it ends. Now, the original script didn't Boiler contain... <laughs> the original script did not contain Jason coming out of the water at the end. That was actually suggested by special effects artist Tom Savini after he had recently watched the movie Carrie and wanted to have a cliffhanger ending to end the movie with. So everything is involved in this movie. Yeah, without that cliffhanger, though, I don't think it would have left such an effect because once you see that reveal of the deformed Jason as a child. Man, the first time I saw this movie, I almost shit the bed (laughs) when I fucking saw a young Jason coming out of the water at the end. Scared the shit out of me as a kid. I feel like his makeup didn't make sense for what was... What, what happened to him? He looked like a burn victim, not a drowning victim. So I just don't think it made all that much sense. Well, he was all murky from being thing. submerged at the bottom of the waterfall that time, I guess. I don't know. It's, I don't know. To I, me, he just looked like he was burnt. It didn't make sense. To me. I thought he was, like, all, like, covered in mud water and shit from, you know, like that murky kind of... I just, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't see that. It could have been a lighting issue, too. Like, if you think about it, it was early morning, so you're kind of getting that weird light in the early morning. So I'm wondering if maybe it casts just an odd shadow when they were filming it, and that's why he kind of looked like that. Because I know what Sirius is saying, and if you look at it, um, his his skin and everything, I, I see what Steven's saying, and I see what Sirius is saying. So going off what Steven's saying is that murkiness to him. So you see a lot of, like, black, which what you're saying kind of looks like burnt scabs. Yeah. And I see what Steven's saying in that that could also be mud from him coming up out of the water. So I'm wondering if maybe it was just a lighting issue and the way that the light was cast on it gave it, like, a red glow, which kind of made it look more like a burn than it did Possibly. somebody who was just, like, Should dirty have been more and swampy. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, too, is with that, it wasn't actually happening he never actually came out of the water. It was more the girl's imagination. Yeah. And then he grows 35 years in the next movie. <laughs> but Makes we'll, we'll, that. we'll get into that. Again, I think that was, yeah, I think that was an imagination, whereas they explained that Jason watched his mother get beheaded that night. So I think at that point, Jason was already, um, I want to say, an adult by that time but just wasn't involved like it was the mom doing all the killing but we'll get into that once we get into part two as far as the first one you know what a classic yeah uh the like you can't help but think about you know when you're talking about horror you can't help but think about like friday the 13th thrown in there i mean jason has become such an icon and the series became a gigantic franchise it definitely had its success. It wasn't even in the first movie. Yeah. I, I know. It, it's, it's, it's funny how things work out, but it ended up working out in the end. And I think uh, Sean Cunningham, uh, you know, I – all right. So I know he was involved uh, with Wes Craven on Last House on the Left. But before he, like, really set off to do his own thing, him and his partner were doing kid shows. And they got so sick of it. And they were just one day like, hey – Let's make a horror movie. And they just went for it, just like John Carpenter did when he was young, on a small budget with a young cast and crew, and it just became such a success. Despite the negative reviews then, 
Exactly. Look where Kevin Bacon is. Look where the series has led up to. It was just all young directors out on a whim just try, just going for it. As and that's what led like, up to, are we talking about disappointment or legacy? Because <laughs> some of the later movies, I can't say, are the best movies. I will say this. I stop and I'll save it for... I won't go into detail because I would love to cover the rest of the series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we got it. Like... Uh, but I will say, after the eighth one, where Jason takes Manhattan, I wanted it to stop. Right Honestly, there, that was... I, after watching the three that we watched, like, back-to-back, because back, I haven't watched them in a while, the story doesn't make sense to me, so I just think it's silly to go past the first one. Yeah, so the first movie, not to jump ahead to the second one, but, I mean, the first movie was a revenge movie, and Victor Miller, who wrote the movie, he actually went on after part two was being made or after it came out and he said that he doesn't like what they did with jason because jason was supposed to be a victim not a killer not a villain well exactly and his mother wouldn't be going for revenge if he never died exactly which is what the second one is pretty much saying yeah that jason survived so it just doesn't make sense to me well the movie was so for the sequels again I'm jumping ahead a little bit but I think it's impossible to not jump ahead because Yeah, this was supposed to be issue. this was supposed to be a standalone movie. They wanted to continue the Friday the 13th franchise but have it more of an anthology series to where each movie has a different story that happens on Friday the 13th. They should have made Pretty much like what they that. wanted to do with Halloween 3. Exactly. And what they actually did do but due to like reception and fans wanting Michael, they just brought him back. Well, that's what happened with this. So after that final scene with Jason jumping out of the water, it was such a popular scene that the filmmakers were like, okay, well, we have to keep Jason in the series then. Like, that's what the fans want, is they want Jason. Basically, this movie wrote off the success of Halloween, and part two wrote off the success of this one. It's all one circle. It is. Do you guys remember the first time you watched this? Yeah. My introduction to Friday the 13th, it wasn't with the first one, actually. I first saw the fourth one starring Corey Feldman. That was the first time. So then after seeing that, uh, my grandfather, he had a bunch of them taped on VHS because, uh, you know, he had like the the black box at the time that would get you'd get free movies and shit. And so he would just set up his uh, video recorder and just tape any horror movie that came on. So I had a bunch of random ones at my grandfather's house on uh, VHS, so I watched them a little bit out of order, but the first time I saw the first one, it was perfect actually, it was on Friday the 13th and Spike TV, I, I want to say in the early 2000s, I must have been in third grade, was having a Friday the 13th marathon, and it yes. literally just started, <laughs> so I got to sit through the first one, and then start to watch them in order, like with all my older cousins, like we just binged out all night, and it was such an awesome time. The first time I watched this, I was probably, I want to say in fifth grade. And I was spending the night at my grandparents' house, and they had HBO. So it was like 10, 11 o'clock at night, and I used to stay up late and watch Cartoon Network. And I saw that Friday the 13th was coming on, so I was like, all right, I'm going to check it out because I know who Jason is, you know? Mm-hmm. So I turned it on, and I remember watching it, and I was, like, waiting for Jason to come, and I was waiting for Jason to come, and then the movie ended, and I was like, all right, well, 
that's kind of weird because I know who Jason Voorhees is, but Jason Voorhees wasn't in the movie. But I remember liking it. Um, I remember the first time I watched it, which was this, probably the same time that Steven watched it because I watched it on Spike TV as well. But my most vivid memory of watching this, I had like a two-week period um, where I watched every Halloween movie and every Friday the 13th movie back-to-back with my sister-in-law Stacy who's from Texas and she talks to movies and she's that person that's like no what are you doing don't do that but she does it in a southern accent so it's better <laughs> and that is the most vivid memory of watching a horror movie in my life <laughs> nice and then we actually saw the remake with her as well yep in theaters for Valentine's Day like 800 years ago which that's would... right it did come out on Valentine's weekend mm-hmm. yeah which I want to cover it in a later episode but I will say that was, like, the funnest of, time I ever had. I'm one of the probably few, and I, I know Sierra agrees with me, who actually enjoyed the remake. Yeah, I liked it. My only complaint was I just felt like Jason was just a little too smart. I thought uh, Setting so up too. all these booby traps. I thought so, too, but some of the kills that I saw while watching these were three genius. movies were a lot smarter like, than what happens in the remake. So I'm not going to bring up which death, but late in a later movie... There's a death that's pretty impressive and really well thought out. But I'm not going to bring it up right now. I'm going to leave you guessing. <laughs> All um, good. I remember reboot... choking on an M&M, actually. <laughs> when that, uh, the reboot came out, it, like, it was during a scene where you know something was going to happen, and you just, I'm like, <laughs> and like, finally got the M&M out. Yeah, so when we, when we saw it in theaters, we saw it on that Valentine's Day. and uh... Same. I, I don't even know if it was Valentine's Day because it was opening night and I don't know if it came out the day before Valentine's Day, if it was actually on a Friday the 13th or if, but whatever opening night was, we went and it was us and like a few other people in the uh, theater and the opening comes on and, you know, everybody starts dying off so fast and you're like 20 minutes into the movie and everybody's almost dead and you could tell like looking around the theater, everyone was getting so pissed off. And mm-hmm. and then they hit you with the title. Yeah, they hit with the title. Everyone and in that everyone theater. Everyone started clapping. Yep, right? they started Not fucking same. applauding. I was like, "Holy yep. shit!" This movie. No, that was a cool moment to experience yeah. in person. I will say the energy. That's what I like, dude. Sometimes, all right, you know what? A movie can be shitty, but if the crowd is fun, then it makes the experience so much better. And that was one of those moments because I mm-hmm. I gotta agree. Like you, I saw it with Dan, Alia. Our friend Joe and this kid Mike and everyone. I mean, the theater was packed. Uh, I think it was opening night, too. And everyone was like, what the fuck? Why is everyone dying and this and that? And everyone's just so confused. And the minute the fucking title hit, Friday the 13th, the whole theater popped. I don't know. I I really liked the first one. I think the twist was great. I mean, as I said, when I was watching it as a kid and I didn't know that that's how it ended... I was expecting Jason the whole time. So to see his mom roll up, and you know, because she says, I'm Pamela Voorhees, and you're like, wait a second. Yep. <laughs> you know, the reveal. You know what, though? My thing with it, I don't think I would have ever expected it to be Jason if I didn't know that he was associated with Friday the 13th. Like, I knew that the Friday the 13th movies had Jason in them, so when I first watched it, 
I automatically assumed Jason was the killer. I feel like if that wasn't the case, I wouldn't have assumed that. And I think that that is just because of our the age difference. So none of us were born, including myself, and I am the oldest, was not born when this shit came out. <laughs> so like like you guys were saying, my my first picture of Jason is the mask. And I think that's everybody's. And even now, like if you go to the store now and you're buying the DVDs, even the first movie, he's on the cover of of the sleeve for the DVD or the Blu-ray or whatever in the mask. So if you are coming into this never seeing this movie, I think that it's kind of like a, a total brain fuck when you watch the whole thing and you get to the end and you're like, really? Where the fuck is he? So what you guys were saying, like, you guys are all giving great examples of, like, the first time you saw it. And I don't think, like, I remember seeing the original, but I can't put, like, an, a, de- a definitive timestamp on when I saw the original. Because we watched it, obviously, for this episode, and I, I knew that the mother was the killer, and I remembered that Kevin Bacon was in it, but it was just not something that was memorable for me to say, okay, well, I remembered the exact time that I saw this. And I think it's because in my head, I'm drawing this picture of Jason in the hockey mask and he wasn't in it. Mm -hmm. So I, and I want to say the first, the first uh, experience I had with anything Friday the 13th related, I think I want to say it was, it was like the fifth or the sixth one. And um, I know that this was, uh, this was definitely a really fun movie to watch with all of us because we kind of like camped out in our in my living room, and uh, we all sat down and we watched it and uh, <laughs> we had <laughs> hot wings. Like a it fun was great. Time. So like we had <laughs> nice. this kind of like camp out feeling at our house watching it, and it made it a really fun experience. Like it it's totally different than watching some of the other movies that we had because it's got that campy feel to it, and it's summertime and. There are times when we go out in our backyard and we're sitting around a, a bonfire and we've discussed how creepy my backyard is. <laughs> so it's cool to sit inside and in a hot summer day or whatever and just watch some of these old movies. We also oh, yeah, for exposed sure. a young child to this movie. Yeah, so we had um, <laughs> our niece and nephew, Erica's daughter, came out and she wanted to watch the movie. And she's begging, I want to watch the movie. She's three years old. And we're like, no, like this is a scary movie. You can't watch it. And she was very adamant, I have to watch this movie. So uh, she sat down, dead body pops up, she turns to Erica and goes, that fucking scared me. <laughs> and we, oh, shit. We lost it. Erica's like, you can't say that. And she's like, what fucking scared me? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then, I would have uh, lost it, too. The movie ended, and we're like, all right, we have to go. We're, like, getting ready to head out. And uh, Nora, Erica's daughter, is like, I want to watch it again. Can you put it on in my room? <laughs> Nice. Starting them out young. She threw a fit. Like, he was packing up the movies to leave, and she was crying, and she's like, I want it on in my room. I want to go tonight with it. And she laid down. Like, we tuck her in, and my husband went to, like, give her a kiss goodnight, and we were getting ready to leave, and she's like, Daddy, I really like the bad boy in the boat. I really like the bad boy in the boat. (laughs) That's great. For three years old. We actually also got the experience of watching it with my brother, who... Has, oh, I, w- I would have paid to see any reaction of him in a horror movie. He wasn't, he wasn't really... Movie. He wasn't really... Okay, so usually he's very, like, you know, he's 18. He likes the new CGI he likes crap. Stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> to see him watch it, he really didn't give too much of a reaction to this movie. And then we went to leave, and he's like, I actually really like that movie. Like... 
I actually nice. really enjoyed it, and I was surprised because usually he's very much anything I show him, he's like, "This fucking sucks." Like five minutes into it, and he's like, "I actually <laughs> really enjoyed it." We asked him to give a uh, horror haven rating. He gave an eight point five. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. Good shit. It's awesome when they have those marathons on Friday the Thirteenth. Like I always try to get together with anyone. Or even if I have to watch them by myself, because it's just like a tradition. Well, I think it's very much like a, a movie to enjoy with friends, if I were to say. Like, there's any... Yeah. even... So, when uh, Sean Cunningham made the movie, he said he wanted to make something that was genuinely scary, but also made people laugh. And I think he did a good job with it. I wouldn't say that this movie is, like, terrifying by any means, but I, yeah. mean, I can see where... Like, it's definitely a horror movie. It's it's a horror movie before a comedy, for sure. But there are those moments where you're like, this is cheesy, I have to laugh at this. I was just gonna say, I think, too, the, like, one of the things that I really like about it is, like, Dylan was saying, you know, it does have those cheesy moments, but it was, it had a really good horror feel to it without the jump scares. Mm-hmm. And I think that newer movies rely so much on those jump scares, and we've covered that in a lot of a lot of episodes that that we've talked about. And I kind of touched base on the fact that the jump scares are to give you give you some sort of like physical feeling while watching a movie that's meant to be psychological. So I understand why they do it, but it was a movie that had a lot of really cool horror aspects to it without having that jump scare in it i mean there was I, the yeah, end yeah. was the only one that i can think of in the first movie that even had anything yeah i love the the way they leave you too because apart from kevin bacon and uh the girl he was with i can't remember her name off the top of my head but um apart from their characters dying, yeah i had such a crush on her let me tell you oh she was hot <laughs> Um, but apart from showing them die on screen, it really doesn't show anybody die on screen after that. So you're kind of like, all right, well, these people are dying. I know that. But then when uh, Alice starts stumbling upon all the bodies while being chased by Mrs. Voorhees, it's such a cool thing because you're not expecting it. I was expecting, you know, okay, well, she's going to get chased by the killer and try and get away. But along the way, you're seeing all these bodies of the people that you know died earlier on. And it, I just thought that was a cool thing. I mean, this this movie is all about setting and atmosphere. Like, you know, the woods are creepy as it is, and they're very deceiving. The music that they used, like Halloween, just added such an effect. Like, Friday the 13th, they all have that distinct symphonic sound to them. I will say... You just know. I will say, not to jump ahead too much, but part three had some cheesy 80s music. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Cheesy, oh, we'll get into that. Cheesy 80s like summer camp music yeah, and i was yeah. like i was like fake dancing on my couch while watching it fake dancing? yeah <clears throat> but um you know that it's almost like jaws yeah. in that sense that that kind of that full symphony band the orchestra just coming in and very intense and hard hitting and that those movies do a good job of capturing that even when because you like you know that something's going to happen before it happens. And, like, going back with, like, the comedy, like, uh, you know, it does poke fun a bit. Like, look at the character, like, Ned. I mean, he was my favorite character in the movie. I got a kick out of him. I just thought he was really fun and just that comedic relief in the movie. And there were, like, a couple of other aspects, but you could just see where they were just having a good time making this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I do agree with you, too, that atmosphere is such a big thing because, you know, it gives you something 
to relate to almost because you know we all grew up upstate new york where we would go camping and stuff so to watch this movie where you know it's it's a summer camp movie and Mm -hmm. i feel like people who maybe have never gone camping or never gone out in the woods like people who live in the city maybe might not get the same feel when watching the movie because it's not something where you could say because like watching the movie you see them camping and you almost feel like you're there at times you know it's funny though i've actually went to a sleepaway camp in new jersey where the movie takes place and where the movie is actually filmed that's another thing i like the fact that it's filmed in new jersey takes place in new jersey and there's a town in new jersey called Voorhees, new jersey and the town called Voorhees is right next to the town that inspired Halloween. That's see, that's crazy. <laughs> which is uh, Haddonfield, New Jersey. Yes, Haddonfield. Which mm-hmm. is where the producer uh, Deborah Hill is from. She's I want to say because she's from New Jersey. When we I do a Halloween movie, Stephen's gonna have like the social security card numbers of every person <laughs> involved, like, <laughs> probably. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's just it's a very authentic film and setting. And like I said, I went to a sleepaway camp in New Jersey. And let me say it was the worst experience of my life. Um, But it definitely had that vibe. The sleeping in the cabins, the fucking showers in the outdoors, the fucking – the whole nine, like the random swimming lake with the dock. I mean it was putting myself back into the camp I went to called Star Lake Camp. And it's crazy. And the camp that they filmed that in is still a camp today. It's a Boy Scout camp. Yep. I can't remember the name, but it's still up and running today. It's camp so Noby cool. Bosco. All right, yeah. <laughs> See, I wouldn't remember that name. That's a mouthful. I have it written down, so. <laughs> One of the things that, that I really like about the whole feel of, like, the summer camp and going, kind of going into, like, what you were saying, it's kind of like a nostalgic feeling, especially, mm-hmm. like, if you grew up in upstate New York or if you grew up anywhere really in the Northeast where you get four solid seasons and you know that summer nights are cool and you can sit by a fire and you can swim in the fresh water. And like, it's got a really like, for me anyway, it's got like a homey feel. Cause yeah. like I, I'm familiar with those things. So when you're watching it, you're like getting settled in and it makes you feel comfortable. It's an odd thing for a movie to do, but you're watching it and you're, home. yeah, you're, you're feeling comfortable with your surroundings. And then all of a sudden shit just goes <laughs> buck wild and you know people are dying and there's ass blood and guts everywhere and it's like all right now (laughs) now i'm feeling it i think it just goes to show too because we didn't cover these movies because it's summer summer was coming i started to feel it i go we need to do a friday the 13th episode steven i remember i had the box set of the dvds and you would ask me to borrow them every single june yep and be like yo uh, it's June. I need to, uh, watch every Friday the 13th. Let me get that box set. <laughs> yeah. And I am going to invest in the actual Blu-ray box set. I've just been like, my finances have been towards other adult things in life, but yeah, yeah man, you've always come through. And I, every summer that I've asked for them because it's such a summer thing to do. Like, like you watch certain movies around a certain time. Like when you watch Christmas movies, of course, December, mm-hmm. Halloween movies, October, for me, summer, it's all about, like, Jaws and fucking campy slasher films. All pun intended. <laughs> what, another favorite character of mine? Ralph, the town crazy. Yeah. yeah. I loved him. I loved his lines. It's got a death 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I just, dude, him being there just helped set yeah. up. Yes. Yes, he was in the second one as well. Rest and it's just him being there, it sets you up. He is that he's like that bad omen, that warning mm-hmm. that lets you know you're in for some deep fucked up shit. And I just thought like having that character go- going back to, and probably segueing to next episode is like Urban Legends uh, we're going to be covering next week, not to jump ahead, but this is almost like a scenario where here's the town urban legend that actually happened and everyone thrives and fears off of it. Like when that opening scene with the cook and she's like, Oh yeah. Can someone tell me how to get to camp crystal Lake? And everyone in the diner just fucking freezes mm-hmm. and they're like, what? And then she gets the backstory. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it was, it was a really cool setup to let, you know, let you know that what you're getting in for is, some pretty bad shit to come. I like when films do that. Like, it took me back to, like, I want to say the first Dracula, where Van Helsing goes into the, the tavern, and he, he's wondering how to get to, like, Dracula's castle, and everyone in the fucking uh, the tavern is, like, all, like, looking at him, like, what did you just say? <laughs> like, you don't speak of that evil? Like, it was, like, a very old-school thing to do that. Fun fact, the character Bill was played by Harry Crosby, who is Bing Crosby's son. Ooh. I love Bing Crosby. The Bing Crosby. The Bing My Crosby. My Christmas movie star. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like Adrian King, who played Alice, was supposed to return for the sequels, and they wanted to do something similar to Halloween, where they have Alice be the main protagonist fighting against Jason in all the movies. After a convention she was actually being stalked by a fan who went as far as breaking into her apartment so she decided to back out from any future movies she did the opening scene for part two but other than that that's fucking crazy i did not know that other than that (laughs) she's like i can't see it's fans like that that give us horror movie fans a bad name (laughs) where they're like oh you watch horror movies you're probably like secretly a serial killer it's like people like that that ruin us shit or musicians yeah, seriously. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> I told Not you okay. You You're crossing the line. I, I think I read somewhere earlier um, when I was looking up and in, looking into some of the stuff that she said that she regretted not not returning for them. Like after she had seen like a success, I think after uh, she turned down the role for the main character in the second one, she only had like a couple small like soap opera acts in like the late 80s like early 90s and then that was about it and she she had mentioned that she kind of regretted uh not staying aboard for the whole thing yeah she missed out and she missed out but i'm also kind of glad that she didn't come back because we would have gotten the same we would have gotten it would have been halloween exactly there would have been no tommy jarvis later (laughs) series no relation i feel like the girl that replaced her in the second one was actually a really similar person yeah. Like, Ginny. watching it, I'm like, mm-hmm. they didn't try to ma- recreate her at all. <laughs> I, I we'll get into be... that, because I have, I have quite something to say about Jeannie's character that I discovered uh, while reading up, but I want to wait till we talk, start talking about part two. All right, so how, how awesome, though, was uh, Kevin Bacon getting an arrow through the throat? Oh, man. I always confuse I always confuse that kill with uh, part two, and I know Sierra did also, because she was like, oh, yeah, they make the... Uh, the shish kebab 
And I was like, nah. I was like, yeah, this is the one. And then we watched, and I was like waiting for it. And then I remember, like, she got up and walked away. I was like, wait. That's not what's about to happen right now. <clears throat> Tom, Early Tom Savini at his best. Yeah. I also like the reveal that Ned is on the top bunk when the lightning flashes and they're yeah. doing it. And mm-hmm. then we see a dead Ned. <laughs> dead Ned. Oh, poor Neddy. <laughs> I wanted him to live so bad. Like, I, for some reason, this scene always makes me laugh where he's got, like, the the Native American headdress. And he's like, ah! And then, like, he, he sees the, the, the cop he's like, oh, shit. When that scene came on, when that scene came on, Eric is like, "Why the fuck is there always a Native American?" <laughs> yeah. The guy's like, "What are you on? Dope grass?" Like, fucking cop. Oh shit, man, that scene just is so funny to me for some reason. But yeah, Ned Ned was a fun character. I gotta say, he was besides Ralph. Ned was my favorite character, and uh, it, you don't get to see him killed on screen, like you said, Dylan. You're now looking back on it. You're right. There's quite a few off-screen kills. Yeah. yeah. The only ones you really see are Kevin Bacon, the girl he was with, and Pamela Voorhees. Yep. And, wait, the cook, and I think Steve. Because it's just like he's laying there. I thought, like, the blood dropped on him. Yeah, the blood dropped on his head, and then uh, the arrow came up. But I don't think I've just seen her die. You see uh, the axe swing, and then it, like, cuts away, and then it shows her with the axe in her head. Mm Mm-hmm. So you don't really Which I it, like, yeah. too. You can see the shadow of the axe creeping up behind her yeah. before it swings. That was a really cool effect. But, yeah, I think uh, you see Steve, you know, he gets stabbed when he's like, oh, hi. He's just looking at, the, like, the fucking <laughs> flashlight that's shined in his face. And then, boom, he gets stabbed, which, you know, wasn't the craziest kill scene. But uh, the early throat slit of the cook from the beginning, that was a solid one. Yeah, And they did a good job, too, of not making it known it was a woman. Because when you look at that scene, you see, like, overalls, jeans, and a hunting knife. Like, what else would you, you know what boots, I mean? Too. At least in that time period. Yeah, looking back, though, like, the, when they when the counselors first arrive at the lake and they're swimming, there is the part where, like, the hand pushes the tree branch and away and there's, like, a bunch thing. of rings on it. Yeah, no, there's just a wedding ring. Oh. Which brings me to the question, who's Jason's dad? Okay, so... I don't remember them ever bringing up Jason's dad, but they were recently planning to reboot the series, which got canceled. And the reboot script, I believe, leaked online, and it did go back to bring up Jason's dad, and I believe that he was a killer. Soaking his blood. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that, Dylan, and that, like, it was ending with, like, Jason's dad dying and kind of, like, Saying he's created a monster by trying to kill Jason as a kid, something along or some those shit lines. like that. I, I read the script and I didn't really. I wasn't a fan of it. Uh, people online were like, "Oh, this is great. Why would they cancel this?" But there's really no pleasing horror fans because if it did get made, they all would have been like, "This is shit. They need to just stop." So, <laughs> yeah, it's like wrestling fans. It's all the same. Yeah, you can't please them all. This movie was a huge success. It had a huge following was built into a huge franchise and uh you just can't when you think of horror again i know i've said it like earlier uh in this episode but you can't help but think of like just going off the big four uh you know freddy krueger jason Voorhees, michael myers leatherface you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like they're iconic faces of horror even though you know jason wasn't the face of the original it would go on but I, I just have so much respect and admiration for the first one and what it, it started off. You know I, what I mean? 
I agree, but I'm very like it's very bittersweet because it did create an icon, but at the same time, I feel like I would have enjoyed this if they kept it as the solo movie. As the solo, yeah. And it'd be Jason agree. Jason never existed. Well, not that he never existed, but, but he, he wasn't the one killing. Killer. It was his mom getting revenge. If it well, was I just think... a basic like revenge plot movie that the sequels kind of just went completely against. <clears throat> I love this movie and and honestly I think it's it's by far the best of the series and this is why. This movie does not make sense with any of its sequels. Without the sequels it makes perfect sense. But as soon as you add that Jason's alive, he's an adult now, even though in the first one he's depicted as a child, none of that makes sense. So it, it just didn't make sense to continue the series the way that they chose to. The first one without those movies is um, a heartbroken mother goes crazy and wants to show the, the counselors why it's important to pay attention. Because that's literally what it is. You didn't pay attention to my child, so now you're going to deal with the the um, consequences. Consequences, thank you. And as soon as they made the second one, the whole idea went out the window because it was no longer a revenge story because if he's alive, there's no revenge to be seeked. It doesn't make sense. And that's my complaint with this series as a whole. Revenge on his mother. And then his character just got outrageous. Mm-hmm. He can survive anything. He's they, they, they kind of tired with Michael Myers, but I have the same feelings on the Halloween movies that they were stretched out too long. That's actually my favorite my feeling in almost every horror series is that they take a really good idea and then to make money they stretch it out as long as they can and it's just silly it's 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 disappointing because you have these great ideas and these great movies and then you ruin it because it becomes something to make money and this is one of the this is one of the times too where you can look at it and say this was made purely for money, not oh. for the well, passion Well, you even of have movie. proof of it, because they said straight up, I made this movie to ride on Halloween's coattails. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then well, the sequel was Well, they released every one once a year. For yeah. a whole decade, we got Jason. A new Friday <laughs> the 13th movie every year. <laughs> Saw should have died a long time ago, too. I am I'm 100% against series. I do not like series. Because they go on too long, and it's every series. Damn. It's Hellraiser. It's <clears throat> it's Jason. It's it's Freddy. It's Halloween. All of them. Saw. See, I I have the to only agree series to I've disagree. ever liked is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre ones because they they're not related to each other. Like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's different. It's like necessarily it's the same family, but it's different people. It's not the same people in every movie, it's and that's like why alternate universe exactly. It's thing, it's yeah. like. It's almost like comic books, you know, like where you can read the same character, but it's a different, it's a different story. And that's why I can watch those because it's like watching eight individual movies opposed to one series. Where Friday the 13th, it's like this one takes place the day after this one and it's just the same yeah. story, but it's actually, we'll get more into it later with part two. And but three, that, but that's my is issue with this series and any series. I, I could see where you guys are coming from and... I, I, I definitely see that. But I'm going to have to disagree because a lot of the series, each one of them have a special place in my heart. I could pick out any – from all up until part eight, I can pick out everything that I've loved about each movie and would just want – something that always keeps me to go back to watch them. And the same goes with Nightmare on Elm Street and the same goes with Halloween. You know what I mean? So also I guess maybe it's my collecting habits – 
I love having all of the sequels together, and I like to binge through sequels. That's just, like I said, that's just my personal preference, so... I, don't, yeah, I feel I like I'm not bored. the only one out there. <laughs> I, I, I like the sequels. I just... That's what I said. It's bittersweet, because I do like the sequels, but I also would have liked this as a standalone movie. That's the thing, though, too, is another issue that I have with them. And I liked the second sequel. I did like the second movie. I didn't like how it didn't make the first one make sense, but... As a movie on its own, I thought it was good. But it's the same thing. Teenagers go to this camp. They all get killed one by one. And at the end, there's a girl that somehow escapes Jason. I think it's, well... They had a formula. They made the same movie. They had a formula, but we watched these movies back to back. It's something where if I were to watch the first one... And then watch the second one a year from now, when it would have been released a year later. I probably would have enjoyed it more, because it wasn't watching the same thing over and over again. Yeah, but that's the thing, though, is that regardless of when you watch it, they did make the same movie. They literally came in with the second one, and they used the same formula, the same general plot, but they subtracted his mother and added him. Yeah, but with the first two, I feel like it's very story-driven, where the later ones, you're not watching it for the story. It's just, we're watching this to watch the awesome kills. It's and the all about like, the body mindless count, violence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's basically what it is. So you watch it to see the body count. You don't watch it to say... I guess that's why it never bothered me that they were so repetitive, because you're getting different kills. It doesn't... I wasn't watching That's it what it's all about. It's all about the creative kills. That's what... That's what Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday the 13th, man. It's all about these crazy, over-the-top kills. And that that's... I just go into these films having fun. That's it. I don't. I try not to be a little... I know we're, like, reviewing them, but, like, I guess as looking at it as a whole series, I try not to get a little too critical because I just want to have a good time and watch these gnarly-ass kills... And just fucking, again, enjoy it with a group of people, which is the best way to watch these. I'll give it a 7.1. I think that this one's going to be the highest rating because it was the first one. And like I said, the sequels after this were very repetitive to the first one. So I feel like whoever took over on the second and third just kind of made the same movie. I think it was I, th- I think it was cool. I, d- I don't feel that it was all that unique for its time because it was made in the time of slashers. I, th- I feel like all the movies were pretty similar. <coughs> um, I love that it took place at a camp. I, th- I thought that was awesome. Uh, like Erica said, it was very homey. It brought me back to like camping at North Lake as a kid. You know, I, I think nostalgic, it gets a higher rating for me than actually watching it now as an adult. Looking back on it, remembering being afraid of Jason as a child, that is a better scare for me than it is now as an adult. I am going to give this a 7.5. Um, I think that, like Dylan said, if it were a standalone, I might have given it a higher rating. As part of a, a franchise, I, I'm going with the the 7.5, and my reason with that is kind of touching base, like once we go into some more of the films, that it does kind of, it loses it. It loses it for me. And, and I think that that has to do with the fact that anybody, when you say Jason and you think of the franchise, you think of the hockey mask. 
So if it would have been on its own and you wouldn't have had this whole iconic horror mask franchise built off of one character who's not in the first film, <laughs> um, I think that as a standalone film, it was awesome. I think that the kills were great. It's got a really nostalgic feeling to it. I liked that it's not your typical like murder movie. It's it's based around a summer camp and a summer camp to me has a feel of like kids playing and like happiness. So bringing that kind of like dread and and horror to it is is a cool concept and I think they did a solid on that one. Just going off of this film not with anything else. I love the twist that it was the mom because it did set you up to think that it was somebody else. It set you up thinking that it was a man and I think that it was kind of a cool concept, especially for its time to have a female murder. Um, and I mean, I think the special effects were great. The iconic uh, music for it, everybody knows that. Like, if you put that on, Wait, you know it. We need to bring that up. Just watching it recently, people debate on what that sound is. I'm sorry, it's ch 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 Like, absolutely, you cannot say it is not. I don't know. I thought it was ch ch yeah, but it's supposed yeah, but to be... Yeah, but Sierra said... Bah, bah, bah. Yeah, but... But I thought it was... I don't know, I hear both. I hear similar, but it's supposedly supposed to be... Kick, 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 like, kill, kill, kill. And then ma, 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 like, mom. Like, kill, mom. Like, Jason talking. Mm-hmm. But I don't hear that at all. I don't hear that, <laughs> yeah. No. I hear a... Uh, ch- up. That's the sound you hear when you know shit's about to go bad, though. Yep. <laughs> yep. First Friday the 13th gets a solid eight for me. You know, it's an iconic film in the in the horror world. It started it all as far as, uh, you know, Jason owned the decade of the 80s. Or I should say, I'm sorry, Friday the 13th owned the 80s, all right? We got a film every year. From 1980, I think, up till 1989, I want to say. So, I can't help but, like, I know it was a cheap cash-in, but for me, this was one of those that fucking stuck through it. At least up until Jason Takes Manhattan. Uh, and I, I just, there's nothing I love more than every Friday the 13th is cracking a cold one with the boys and watching some Friday the 13th. Like, just binging through it like a marathon, you know? It's just, it's something you do, especially when you're a horror movie lover. And there's just, again, it's uh, it goes to Tom Savini's early practical effects, the funny characters like Ralph and Ned, the awesome twists, and the crazy ending. Like, I love it all, and I love that it takes place on the Northeast Coast, where we are all from. You know, uh-huh. it's that very homey feel, yeah. Like, New Jersey's just, you know, an hour or so away. Like, an hour and a half away. That's my little brother. Exactly, you know? So, it's... It's it's got a special place in my heart, and I think in many other horror movie fans' hearts. So, uh, I gotta thank Sean Cunningham and the first film for starting it all. All Alright, yeah, I'm gonna agree with you, Steven. I'm gonna also give it an 8. I did have problems with it, like any movie, but... I think it did a good job. I love the twist at the end. Like I said, when I first watched it as a kid, I wasn't expecting it. And I'd, I'm glad that I was able to watch it at a time where that ending wasn't ruined for me. It did a great job of making you laugh while also being a horror movie. It was a great movie to watch with friends. And 
it's it's one of my top summertime movies. So yeah, I'm gonna give it an eight. But don't right on. Friends. So that's not supposed to mean average horror haven rating. Our average rating is seven point six five. Jason, mother is talking to you. Jason, mother is talking to you. Friday the 13th Part 2 was directed by Steve Miner and written by Rob Kurz and Phil Scuderi. The movie starts out with Alice, the final girl from the first film, in her apartment. She gets a phone call who she thinks is her mother, but it's not, and she ends up being killed by Jason after finding Jason's mother's head in the fridge. Alright, it follows a group of uh, people who are going to train to be camp counselors, and they start getting killed by... A killer with a burlap sack over his head who this time turns out to actually be Jason who has a shack in the woods with a shrine to his mother surrounded by dead bodies and his mother's decapitated head the final... and sweater yes and sweater the final girl in this movie Ginny ends up surviving by tricking him into thinking she is Jason's mother long enough to have her boyfriend Paul come in distract Jason and they get away. It ends similar to the first one with Jason jumping through a window and grabbing mm-hmm. and grabbing Ginny. And the next morning, Ginny's being taken away by an ambulance. It doesn't really show if this actually happened or not. Yeah, which, by the way, I have that sweater. Uh, <laughs> I would. call it... Yeah, I, you know what's funny, dude? I don't know how this sweater ended up in my wardrobe. And I don't know if I still have it, so I should say I have that sweater. But every Friday the 13th, I'd wear that fucking gray sweater I had because it looked just like Mrs. Voorhees. And everyone would be like, Steven, why are you wearing that sweater? I was like, well, it's my Friday the 13th sweater. And like, I don't get it. And I'm like, well, did you ever watch the fucking movies? Be a smart ass. But no, seriously, yeah, I had the sweater. And I was like, yeah, I'll rock my Mrs. Voorhees sweater. Yeah. It just looked so out of place, but I couldn't help but wear it. Because it looked just like her sweater. Yeah, I just thought I'd add that in. Because she puts on the sweater and she tricks Jason, you know? It's all about that sweater power. <laughs> sweater power? Hashtag sweater, sweater power. power. Hashtag sweater power. I, I like the second one. I think it uh, I think it had a darker tone to it at times. Like, specifically with Jason's... Uh, Shrine to his mom. I thought that was kind of like a creepy thing to have. Mm-hmm. Why are you looking at me like that? Because this one was like a lot funnier. It was funnier, but it had darker moments. You didn't have Mrs. Voorhees with her son's decapitated head on a shrine. True. But I think that this one was it, it was a lot. I don't know what I got from this one that that I enjoyed is you finally got to put a face to the name. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's what kind of made this one not necessarily like better because I don't I out of the three this was probably my least favorite and I think it's because of the burlap bag on the head. 
she brown paper bagged it. But I, I liked it because it was finally giving a face to to the killer. I mean, obviously, like in the first one, it was the mother. But again, going back to the the time that it came out and the age difference, when we think of Jason, we think of the hockey mask. And like I said earlier, like with the first movie, you don't get that. So finally having that, that face, it, it kind of pulls you in and it just makes more sense. Friday the 13th, part two. Jason finally gets his masks. LOL, JK. Uh, <laughs> well, Dylan, do you want to you wanna elaborate on the whole burlap sack thing and why it wasn't the hockey mask yet? Uh, am because I, am I supposed to know this? Because he stole it from <laughs> you, you, the t- Come town on, dude, you sundown. mentioned it. Yes, there you go. Sierra with the save. The town that dreaded sundown. Bro, you mentioned this to me the other, the Actually, other day. Actually, I don't know if it was. Uh, I don't know if it was influenced, but it does look like the town that dreaded it's sundown. Identical. It was supposedly similar to David Lynch's movie, The Elephant Man. The Elephant Man, which is why they changed it for the third one. Oh. And that's why this movie got a lot of hate because it was supposedly not taken as seriously as they had wanted it to because Elephant Man had come out shortly after the release of the original Friday the 13th and then here he is with the burlap bag and they looked so similar that a lot of people were making comments and jokes that it was Elephant Man and it was the Elephant Man it it was (laughs) One complaint that I had with this, more the third one than this one, but they made Jason have a beard and long red hair, and then in the third one, he's bald and just looks completely different, where the third one takes place the day after this one. I think that they just kind of fuck with his image to get it right. Yeah, well, the one that they used in three was the one that they eventually went with, but... Now, Jason in part two looks identical to the kid from the movie Mask. Do you know what I'm talking Rocky, about? Rocky, is that Rocky Dennis? I don't know. It's the one with Shira. Yeah, yeah. His mother. Yeah, that's what yeah, you're Rocky saying. Dennis. He looks exactly like that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, uh, I don't want to jump bad. too ahead because, like, the, the not even just the look, but his clothes completely change in the, th- the, se- the third sequel. And it takes place, like, it literally picks up right after. Mm. But jumping back to the second one, uh, what I really liked about this was this is where Jason is the most human. All right. He's considered like a hermit. Like he's living off the land. He's eating small animals and he's just like living in this shack, like a normal, I don't, well, I don't know how normal a hermit would be considered, but your ideal of a hermit. And if you notice, he has very human attributes to him. Like, when Jeannie kicks him in the nuts, like, he goes down and you hear him screaming in pain. Or anytime he's, like, hit with something, like... And also, he can run in this one. Mm-hmm. So this is where he's, like, most human and where it's, like, most realistic in that sense. Well, not even that, because this is the only one where they're, like... It shows his connection with his mother, how Ginny pretends to be his mom, and that stops him. Like, he freezes and yeah. he does exactly what she says. The psychological trauma. Yeah, it's... Like Erica says, the psychological trauma. It's not just a guy going around killing people. Like, they added that aspect into it, which I love. And I love that scene where Ginny's talking to him, and it's, like, overlaying Betsy Palmer, like, saying the same thing over her. 
mm-hmm. as if that's what Jason's seeing. I think that's that was a very well done scene. Absolutely. My favorite scene in this movie, and I can replay it in my head a thousand times. I don't know why, but I love when Ginny makes it to Jason's shack, and there's the hole in the door, and she thinks she's safe, but you just see Jason running towards the door. Like, it's such a creepy thing, and it just, I, that's the one scene in this movie that just, I can replay in my head over and over. Nice. Yeah, I I definitely know exactly what you're talking about, because you're like, you you see him coming, and where she doesn't really, and as a viewer, it scares you more because we're more aware of what's going on than the actual character is. Yeah, one thing that I don't like, and this is a complaint for all the movies, I usually mix them up, and I can't really remember a lot of the kills because the characters are such two-dimensional characters that there's no emotional attachment, like... I don't know who any of these people are, so I don't remember how they die because I don't really. I think, <coughs> I think yeah. they do better in the third one with the character development of the main of the main girl in it. Not even the main girl, but there is like um, a jumping in a little bit to the third one, but like Shelly, the nerdy guy who was like trying to get the girl. Yeah, but I I feel that the main girl that they really developed on her because yeah. you know, you know that at some point she knew this guy who owned the cabin. Her parents didn't like that she was with him. Mm-hmm. She left. They hadn't seen each other in two years, and then she came. This is her first time coming back in two years. Well, that's the thing. And is, he immediately is like, hey, baby. Yeah. But, well, that's the thing is it's always the final girl that they do develop, and the rest of the characters are kind of just there. Well, I, I actually disagree because I feel like Alice didn't have a lot of development in the first one. Like, you didn't know a ton about her, and in the second one, you don't know a ton about her. I don't think it's necessarily the development of the character as much as it is the development of the infatuation with Jason with the character. And I think that that's that's where you're kind of getting that transparency. But I don't think it's something that necessarily is as transparent as that. And I I think that what it spurs from is in the first movie you have a child. And I know that there's some overlapping of timelines there and the timeline gets kind of like skewed between movie one and movie three. But he seems to have had and this is just a, a an assumption but he seems to have had as a child a very close connection to his mother and being that he drowned as a child or even was just assumed to be drowned and ended up being a feral child in the woods like um there have been a couple uh assumptions of that and talk just like fan fiction sort of thingy i guess um about that possibility that he didn't really drown, that they had assumed him to be drowned, but he kind of like washed up on the other side of the lake and just became like a, a feral child. And that's where you get that, that timeline from. But if, if that were the case, okay, so say that is the case and he, he washed up and he became a feral child, his only interaction with humans that he remembers is his interaction with his mother. So he's getting this strong bond with the females that he finds that maybe have similar attributes to his mother from when he remembers her. Yeah, so, but you'd think that if that was the case, she, that he, sorry, not she, he would not want to kill them. Because yeah. he, when he sees his mother, he stops. Well, he's also triggered because the minute he sees Camp Counselor, you know what I mean? He's like thinking like, they oh, you me those my fuckers. mom. <laughs> and they drowned me, yeah. So, like, it's kind of like, it's a trigger in his mind. Whereas seeing anything that resembles mother is a suppressant. Like the sweater, when Jenny puts on the sweater, it kind of just like, you know, just calms him down a bit just for that brief moment. Which I, I, 
I was a fan of Jenny. I was all for her. She gave Jason a run for his money. Like, she really fought tooth and nail with him towards, like, the last act of this movie. Well, she was uh, smart. I, she was so smart to put the sweater on and pretend to be his mom. Yeah. Because every other girl in the movie would have just sat there and be like, okay, well, I'm going to die. I got so confused. I thought we were talking about the third one when he said that because that girl whooped his ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Jenny fucked him up way more than uh, Chris did in the third one. What? But, um, uh, we'll get to it, Sierra. We can't jump ahead now. I was very impressed with her jumping through the bathroom fucking window. And I said that when we watched it. <laughs> she was so smooth out that window. And I was like, she's going to fall. She's going to break something. And she, she didn't. You know, like, she stumbled a little bit, but she kept going. Well, it looked like it was going to be a, 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 a high, um, yeah. I can't talk a further drop than it was. Yeah. And, like, another thing, jumping to the kills a little bit, this was the the one Friday the 13th that was really inspired by Mar- uh, Mario Bava's A Bay of Blood. Yes. Uh, like, with the spear uh, through the couple, the shish kebab, and also the machete to the face in the dude in the wheelchair. That was all taken from that movie, those kills. Yeah, and it got a lot of praise for doing that, too, like being inspired by uh, that movie because it was a very well-praised movie. Um, I will say probably my biggest complaint with this movie is the beginning scene. I don't think it was necessary to kill off Alice in the beginning. Like, I don't think it was you necessary have, to recap well, it. You have, Jason, wanna... you have Jason coming to a neighborhood, which he somehow found where Alice lives. Mm-hmm. How would he have found where she lives? Then he calls her on the phone, which you have this character who's supposed to have a childlike mind who was a child in the 50s and has not seen a phone since then. So how does he know how to pick up a phone, dial a number, and then hang up when she answers? Those were the the kind of issues I had. It's back to the poor story writing. Yeah, I I just feel... Yeah, that is actually true. (laughs) I feel like if they wanted... I feel like there was no reason to bring Alice back in to kill her off because even in the later ones, like... Um, Ginny doesn't return for the third one, and I wasn't, when the third one started, I wasn't sitting there like, yo, what the fuck happened to Ginny? What happened? I didn't care. Like, <laughs> I don't... Which, when we talk about the third one, I want to get into a little bit about Ginny and her lack of involvement in the third one, but I will save it for when we start that. I'm saying, if you want a solid background story on Jason, you just gotta give it to Rob Zombie. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> oh, God. You'll get a background story. He fucking murdered. Fucking murdered Halloween. Do we, we all feel the same? <laughs> I actually and really like, I said, like the I Halloween was... remake. I'm just kidding. It was a joke. It was a goof. You don't like the part where the ponies come out? That's the second yeah, one. Exactly. Sees his mother that's, and she's the white that's horse. Where, yo, honestly, like, alright, yo, I was fucking triggered, alright? When that scene came on, and look, yo, I, I fucking lost my virginity to that movie, okay? Oh, fucking God. <laughs> <laughs> Alright? And even in the midst of it, I glanced that. over. I glanced over and I fucking saw that on the TV. And as great as an experience it was, that, even then, fucking pissed me off, alright? Are we still talking about Halloween? It yeah. Would have, it would have been funny if, like, in that moment, you're doing it, and you look over, and you're like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> I would have hated to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so back on part right, two. Back on part two. 
Unfortunately, Ralph dies. Poor Ralph. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Ralph. <laughs> um, one thing I did like about part two, I'm not a fan of jump scares. This movie did jump scares right. Because it wasn't something where there was a buildup and you know something's going to happen and you're waiting for it to happen. It was like there'd be just somebody walking and a fucking hand would shoot through a window and grab them. And you're just like, oh, shit. Like, it, Didn't see that coming. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the kind of jump scare I'm cool with. It's not like there's music playing and there was a buildup and then all of a sudden it happens. Like, no, it just fucking happens. And you were not accept- expecting it. And I, I did like this movie for that aspect. Do you want to know what the scariest scene for me was? <laughs> Um, the girl with her dog, where she's going to look for it, and she's like, Muffin, Muffin, and then she glances at the fucking camera. If those are not the most lifeless eyes I've ever seen, <laughs> if you pay, it's, it's just one, all right, my cousin Anthony pointed it out to me, and anytime we've watched that movie, he's, we've always, like, rewound it back to that part. She's just looking for her dog. I know you guys remember the scene. But if you pay attention to the way she looks, and she looks right at the camera, she fucking stares through your soul. And it is the weirdest, most uncomfortable thing ever. And I think that was the scariest scene in that movie for me. I have a question about Muffin. Don't they find Muffin's dead body? And Wrong. Muffin comes Muffin, back to It was a different it. dog. Yeah, because Muffin comes out at the end, and then that's when Jason pops through that, the fucking that's window. so silly to, like, focus on that, because it's like, oh, she loses her dog, let's focus on it, and then the dog's alive. Okay, here's another thing, though, at the same time. To me, that ending scene didn't actually happen. Because when part three picks up, it shows the police there, and it shows Jason in the shack with the machete in his arm, and he pulls it out. And walks away. So, to me, that was all dream sequence. That's how I also look at the first one where Jason jumps out of the lake and grabs Alice. It didn't really happen. True. Definitely a good point. I could agree with that. Muffin possibly might have died, Sierra. Rest in peace. Good, I hate those fucking dogs. Muffin! Do not rest in peace. You gotta say say Muffin's name like the girl does. She's like, Muffin! I can't have those lifeless eyes, though. No, you can't. Yo, those eyes are fucking haunting. <laughs> Ratings? Okay. Yeah. I'm the first one to go, right? Yes, ma'am. This movie <clears throat> is going to get a lower rating. Mainly because there was no Kevin Bacon. So I gave Tastes it like a 7.1. Kevin Bacon really just, like, made the movie perfect. So it, it's really unfortunate <laughs> that he wasn't in it. Homeboy was, like, the first to die. <laughs> he was. But I did appreciate their wannabe Kevin Bacon. Yeah, there was a guy who looked like Kevin Bacon, and Sierra's like, Dylan, they replaced Kevin Bacon with Kevin Bacon. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> the guy with the, the hat, right? That drove the truck in the beginning? He, yeah, he had, like, shorty shorts yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. had shorty shorts on. I think that we should bring that style back. I think All we should bring up the Lady Bulge. What about the... Was this the one with the girl that likes the crop shop tops? Yes! The one that just cover her boobs? Yeah, but she didn't even have tasteful underboob. <laughs> No, like it was like I talked about that muffin girl. Dude, her nipples were almost out. Her nipples were definitely almost out. But I'm gonna give this one a six. Okay, I liked her '80s workout gear. I must say. Okay, so this one for me was a little more comical. A lot more. It was, yeah. And again, this is another one that we all watched together. So 
when we watch movies together, just to give you guys kind of like an idea of what it's like. We have common. Um, yeah, we we try. To, we usually watch them all together. Um, Steven, you are live somewhere. I'm else, there. So I'm there. Not in included spirit, in this. All right. We don't invite you. I'm there in spirit. <laughs> you are yes. So a lot of times Dylan's actually texting you while we're watching movies. It, it, every time. <laughs> every time. So there you go. Right on. You are there. I'm there. So, um, we watched, we watched the first one Saturday night and then we watched the second one Sunday night. And usually what we do is we try to watch one. Usually we watch them on Mondays because my husband's out of town and we get dinner and we usually watch the movies. Um, this time was better because we made wings. Yeah. This time we, we made wings. We had a good time. So we, it, it was a lot of fun. So we all got together and we watched the movies and Sunday night, um, we just kind of like hunkered down. We were getting rid of, getting ready to watch the movies and there was a lot of commentary. So for me, again, it rolls back to it's, these are the type of movies that I, I really enjoy watching with a group of people. And I think it was either you, Steven or Dylan that kind of touched base on certain movies you watch a certain way. So like there's some movies Mm -hmm. where you got to watch them by yourself. There's some movies where, you know, you just want to watch them with like a small group of people. And then there's some movies where you just want to binge watch them with like a whole group of people and have a blast doing it. These are those movies. So we watched them and there was every little thing we were hooting and hollering like we were watching like a football game and there was tons of commentary on it and it made it a lot of fun to watch. So for me, these, this one I enjoyed because again, it gave a face to, to Jason finally. So you finally have like a solid person as your, your main character and and the villain and he is heinous looking okay the brown paper bag did him justice or burlap bag whatever so for me this was a lot of fun to watch and i i enjoyed it and i liked that the i liked that the movie had a little bit more um of a believable killer while i understand why his mother was killing people in the first one and i i get that i just i don't picture her being able to like lift a body onto a top bunk or lift a a body uh, the first one he was hung behind the door Mm-hmm. And I just, I sh- her character just isn't believable to be physically strong enough to do that. So it was kind of cool to see a person who's actually believable doing the kills. So that I kind of liked. What well, women can't be strong. I'm not saying that. Wow. 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 But when they're all falling in the woods throughout the entire movie and both of them, yeah, it's kind of hard to believe they can lift anything other yeah, than a right? penis. Ooh. Right. Ooh, easy there, triggered feminists. I'm right. joking. Steve, I'm the anti-feminist the way, I'm on the on the show. Apparently, <laughs> I'm not a feminist. I just like to make. The See, joke. you say that, but you come on here and then. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think that this one. Um, I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a six for this one. Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Well, what can I say? You finally got a face behind Jason. And you've got some pretty influential kills by the talented Mario Bava in the film Bay of Blood. So for that, uh, much respect. Sure, you know, it loses its authenticity from the first one. But it, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of series. I know they get shittier as they drag out, but... <clears throat> It just goes back to, uh, you know, that setting of of watching, like you said, Erica, 
certain films you have to watch in a certain environment. And for all of the Friday the 13s, I will say, there is nothing like, you know, being with a bunch of your friends and fucking watch them. Like, how I imagine, um, like, how I get with watching these movies, like, when you guys say you give, like, commentary, like, in Scream, when Jamie Kennedy is, like, explaining Halloween to everyone in the room and shit, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of similar for people that have never seen any of these movies. Like, I get so passionate and enthusiastic about it and i just can't help but like point certain shit out after it happened like i don't fucking ruin it as it happens but you know i mean i just get i get i love these films are just so fun so for this one uh i'm gonna have to give it a seven i think it it holds up pretty okay and jenny uh a very likable character you're rooting for all the way she gives jason a fucking run for his money and kicks his ass and this was the most human side we get to see of Jason. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I agree so, with that. Uh, seven. All right. I'm going to give Dylan. this movie a three. I really didn't enjoy this movie at all. Oh, polar yeah. opposite. Nah. Oh, see? I was about to be like, let's bring it on, son. <laughs> no, I, I did. I really had a great time watching it. Again, the atmosphere, uh, just watching it with friends, it was fun. I like the darker tones that it took. I think it was very well thought out there were scenes that stood out to me specifically like the way they were shot which isn't so much the case with the first one yeah i'm gonna go with what steven said i'm gonna <laughs> give it a seven <laughs> did i call that or what all right average horror point. haven rating uh probably a 6.5 yeah yep it's a 6.5 damn you math wizard well, Ralph, your... that point five was for you. <laughs> you were right. It is God of Death Curse, this series. I was right. They guessed I can math in my head 5. sometimes. Yeah, we guessed 6.5, and it was right. <laughs> Noise. Weekends are a good time to escape to the woods. <laughs> Unless the weekend begins with Friday the 13th. Because 13 is an unlucky number. But out here, so are 1 through 12. Because these are Jason's woods. And nobody leaves them alive. Friday the 13th, part 3. Before we get into part 3, for the original plot... They wanted Jenny to come back in the third one and pretty much ride the coattails of Halloween Part 2. So Jenny, uh, after you know her being taken away by the ambulance or whatever, they wanted her to be in the psych ward and have Jason pursue her in the hospital, kind of like, it, just actually just like in uh, Halloween 2 where uh, Michael pursues his sister who's in the hospital. But Jenny uh, denied the role, and then they switched everything up. So they just had, like, the recap of her, and then that's when we get the new story. Fuck it, we'll do it in 3D. What? Yes! Yeah, the movie. I, the 3D, man! watch it in 3D. That's because it gives me a headache when we try to watch it in 3D. We've tried, like, no, seven times to watch it. No, we with three people and only have two pairs of 3D glasses. I, you know how many 3D glasses I got in that closet, Sierra? Nightmare on Elm Street 3D glasses. My Bloody Valentine 3D glasses. I got an arsenal of 3D glasses in that closet. 
We could yeah, have yeah. Some respect. All those That's respect. the problem. Again, we get a little recap of the second one, how shit went down. Uh, pretty much, you know, um, Jenny killing Jason. Oh, so we think. Now, due to what I said before with the change of uh, storyline, because the actress that played Jenny did no longer want to be involved with the Friday the 13th series. It shows uh, Jason uh, secretly scooting away to let us know that he is alive. I want to say a rest stop area or some some little side market um, where Jason seems to be stalking the couple that own the shop. And he they're listening to the radio and they news gets around that there's been another mur- a big series of murders so he kills the couple that own the shop and then we forward to this girl named chris who's the main protagonist in the movie and her friends she's driving back to uh this cabin in her hometown where her boyfriend owns she's been away for some time something tragic happened to her so she goes with a group of friends and it's pretty much a setup you know all teens get together in this woodsy area and they start getting picked off one by one uh, by Jason Voorhees, who has survived. And this is the iconic movie where Jason gets the hockey mask. And he gets it from a character, Shelly, who is kind of a special effects prankster. He uh, fakes his death here and there throughout the movie. And that's where Jason uh, gets his hockey mask from. Also, they have an encounter with a badass bike, uh, biker gang, which has no match for Jason, might I say. Um, so then it goes to a flashback where Chris is in the woods and she's explaining to her boyfriend, because he doesn't know the full story, uh, what happened and some deformed man, uh, I guess, attacked her and then she like passed out and didn't remember what happened. So that's the whole reason why she's there is to kind of get over this whole traumatic experience. Well, as all of her friends are getting picked off one by one, and it appears that Chris sees Jason's face and realizes it's the same guy that attacked her in the woods. So, like with Jenny in the second one, it's a fight for survival. And pretty much, she gets the best of Jason, and the movie ends with her walking away. Now, because this movie's in 3D, you're going to see a lot of unnecessary scenes where things just pop at the screen. For example, in the beginning, with the guy fixing the laundry... The pole pops right at the screen. The snake pops right at the screen. So when you're watching this, keep in mind, people, it's a 3D film. Have you ever watched it in 3D? Yes. Because your thing came with the glasses. And I I made sure to take special care care of them when I was watching it. (laughs) (laughs) You would. I was like, yo, I can't fuck these up, man. They have, like, the Jason logo on them and all. We have tried like pattern of this. <laughs> we have tried multiple times to watch it in 3D <laughs> and it gives me such a bad headache. Everything gives you a headache, kid. Can you watch a 3D movie if it's not the blue and red glasses or no? Yeah. Like so if we were like if we were all to go to like a the newer 3D where it's like an actual set of glasses yeah. and it's not I we've two-toned? gone. I think we saw on Underworld, we see Underworld was 3D, in 3D. It was 3D, yeah. yeah. Oh, but man. You always complain when you do that too. You say you get. Headaches. I have to take him off for a couple minutes, but um, he's very sensitive. I, I just—it's just that interests me because, like, little kids—they can't see three D movies because their eyes can't like can't yeah, process it. You call me a fucking child? <laughs> no, <laughs> I I can I can see the three D. It's just like I don't know the old red and blue. 
The red and blue will. But yeah. if you if you put your hand over your eyes, like over each of your eyes individually, one of your eyes sees more uh, blue tones while the other one sees red tones. So I wonder if it's just like a weird wiring in your mm. brain. Not um, saying you're fucking... Are you calling my brain weird? Yeah, I was a little bit. Um, yeah, no, this one I think definitely brought on like the cheesy 80s slasher <coughs> tone to it. Out of the three, this one was my favorite for that reason. Really? Because I think it's a cliche 80s slasher movie, and the fact that it was 3D on top of it just kind of, like, overdoes the cheesiness of it, and I think that that's why I really liked it. Well, if it wasn't done in 3D, we probably wouldn't have gotten Jason's mask, because the reason that mask came to be was they were doing lighting tests, and... They knew that Jason was going to be wearing a mask, but they didn't know what mask at the time. So they were kind of just playing around with ideas, and everybody was too lazy to put the makeup on the guy who was playing Jason. So the 3D special or the 3D supervisor was carrying around a hockey bag that had a hockey mask in it, and said, "Here, try this," and put it on. And the director liked it so much that he decided to keep it. Fun fact. The the whole crew, they all played hockey together. Really? Yeah. Um, I, I don't really typically like the 80s slashers myself because I don't like the cheesiness of them and I don't like the series, which I already talked about. But I did like this movie for certain aspects. I thought that the main character was really interesting and she was tough as hell. Mm-hmm. The gang was too much for me, though. They like they were so cheesy. They were unbelievable. They were stupid. Like you looked at them, and you're like, they're not scary at all. I love that That's the, not a gang. I love that the one made an appearance at the end, though. Like you think he's dead, and then when uh, Chris is fighting Jason, he like pops up <laughs> from the uh, stall. Yeah, I just and just gets instantly killed. Like yeah. <laughs> So, like, yeah, you're no help, bud. I think another cool thing I liked about this one is I felt that because they... I felt because they finally put, like, the final look to Jason, Mm -hmm. that this one, too, could be a standalone. And I also like that it wasn't, like, let's kill the camp counselors. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though, too, is is with any of these movies, really, if you took off the recap, it could just be a movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't need the, the prior story to make sense. Actually, it would make more sense without the prior story. (laughs) I thought that the development of the main character was really interesting because when it shows her memory of being at that cabin previously and and running away and running into Jason in the woods, she was terrified and she she ran away from him and she was not in a position to fight. And it's like this second meeting with him, she's like, nope, not this time. And she, she steps up to the plate and she she puts up a fight she she had a lot of opportunities to just get in a car and go or run she chose to fight every time and that, i think that was cool yeah well it's, it brings in a sense of character development that you didn't see in the first two movies because like i said before there were these very two-dimensional characters that you don't connect with at all and this one even uh besides chris i shelly i loved him as a character I thought he was great, and I can recall Shelly as a character where I, I can't recall. Shelley. Yeah, I can't recall half the characters from the first two. 
But yeah, Shelly was a total fun, loving goofball that you kind of just felt sorry for. Her, but, you know, he he was just, I don't know, there's something so likable about him. He's very you know, sweet. He's, yeah. He yeah, looks like Jonah just, Hill. But yes. um, <laughs> we watched this movie with Dylan's brother, and he kept going like, oh, this girl's hot. That girl's hot. She's so hot. It was and the he same thought he was girl. talking about different girls, <laughs> but he was talking about the same girl over and over Every and time again. it showed the girl, he's like, she's hot too. There's all these hot girls in this movie. And I'm like... It's the same girl. Like oh, After wait. the fourth time, I was like, Zach, you keep saying it about the same character. I can't let you dry this on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I like about this movie, and I don't know why, but I like that it like recreated some scenes from the first movie. The part where the girl is laying in the hammock and the blood drips on her, mm-hmm. and then she gets stabbed from underneath the uh, the hammock is very much like how Kevin Bacon's character died in the first one. And then the ending scene where Jason jumps out of the lake and grabs Alice off the boat, Jason's mom does that in this one from the lake. One of the things that I found was the scene with Debbie. Uh, her death which was what you were just talking about, uh, which was via a knife through the throat from below, obviously paid homage to the whole Kevin Bacon thing, but they actually used, they reused Tom Savini's effects from the first film to achieve that shot. Which is funny too, because she's reading an issue of Fangoria when she dies and she flips to an article about Tom Savini. Yeah. Also, I, it's 25 years of Godzilla. <laughs> I had to point that out. Yeah, that was actually my favorite death from these three movies that we watched. I know it was the same as the Kevin Bacon one, but I feel like it was just done so much better. Because you get her viewpoint of her looking up and just seeing this mangled body and the... Uh... Hands down, the best death in this movie was when he took the machete and went right through the guy's balls. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. to you, that scene tops the belt <clears throat> scene, because we talked about... We didn't about... watch that, though. No, I know, but you said this one top... He just said this was his favorite. No, Did from the three said... we watched. Oh, from the three. Okay, yeah. I yeah, thought you meant, belt, like, it was... The belt one no. is my favorite kill of all of them. I thought Whoa. they were talking about, Spoilers, like, all the time, so the head. Like, <laughs> That's part five. We're not covering that one this time. That's my favorite kill in the series. I'll fucking spoil it right now. The belt scene from number five. Oh, that was an awesome scene. Nope. No, it was five. Dylan definitely thought it was four until he Googled it. I actually thought it was six, but... (laughs) Yeah, another thing is, like, these... The next two sequels here, part two and part three, had no involvement with Tom Savini, but he would later return for special effects in part four. Yeah, But we'll we'll get more into that. This movie was supposed to be the final movie. They were going to make a trilogy of it. Should have been. Then they decided to continue, and then the fourth one was going to be the last one, hence the name The Final Chapter. The Final Chapter, yeah. Then Tommy Jarvis came in. They do a trilogy with Tommy Jarvis. Tommy Jarvis, Dylan Jarvis. It's nice. I said no relation before Sierra. Which I right... feel like we repeat that a lot, though. <clears throat> Jarvis is like, that's the go-to name. <laughs> you know, I, I like this one. I like the cheesiness of it. I, I think it had a lot to enjoy. I feel like I'm the only one that's like, I didn't like the cheesy. I don't like cheesy. Unless it's Evil Dead. It was a nice change-up, because you have the first two that are completely different tone. So you're getting the same story, essentially, like you said before, but you're getting it in a different way. <coughs> yes. Yeah, this had the right amount of cheese for me, and I'm talking like that smoked Gouda cheese. Extra cheese. Like, spicy cheese. Extra cheesy. Spicy. Like, 
Just like I said, you know you're getting into. First of all, majority of 3D films that came out back then just fucking. Uh, they, you know, it's just the instant tryhard. Uh, and also that title music in the beginning. <laughs> it's like, ooh, spooky. Like, you know what I mean? It's just got that vibe to it. But I will say, uh, Deformed Jason, as a kid, um, looked pretty creepy, I must say. Uh, I was I was a little scared. Like, all right, uh, the scene where Chris sees him in the window and he's kind of like slapping on the window. He, uh, you know, being in third grade when I saw that, I was pretty fucking freaked out, I must say. Also, um, and this scene wasn't shot well, in my opinion, but I guess just at the time, I will say, like, all right, when Jason's mom comes out of the lake and pulls Chris under, yeah, I thought she looked pretty scary, but the way they shot it just looked awkward. Yeah. I, I love the way this one ended, though, with uh, Chris getting taken away in the cop car because she's, like, laughing. Like, you can oh, tell that she's yep. just... You can tell lost that she's just shit. lost her fucking mind at this point, and I think that that was really great. And, you know, we keep touching on, like... This is the movie where Jason got his mask. It's also the movie where Jason got his, you know, his actual look because the whole bald, yeah. deformed face, it's something that they carried on in the future films. Yeah. And, and just like a little bit of like a, a going back on some of our, our other episodes, <coughs> I, when we talked about monsters in the Universal, the iconic Frankenstein, Mummy, Wolfman, and I'm missing... Oh, and uh, the Invisible Man. So, and like, Gilman. Or, or, I'm sorry, Dracula. That was what I was trying to think of. So, when you think of Halloween, those are your three, like, everywhere is going to have something Frankenstein, something Dracula, something a werewolf, and... I keep mummy. fucking this up. Yeah, something a mummy. The same applies to Michael Myers, Jason, Freddy, and in my opinion, Chucky. I'd say Leatherface. Yeah, that's another one, too. I think that it just... it Those are your, like, iconic go-to, like, Halloween, that's it. That's what you're thinking. So it's, yeah, it's kind of cool to see where that where finally came from. from. Yeah, it was like a new era. Like, the 80s, like... Don't get me wrong. Plenty happened in the 70s. But I think shit really started to pop off in the 80s. Like Yes, and I think I that mean, has a lot to do with the development out. of special effects and... and uh, Technology. I mean, it's just, it's going from one era into the other, and you can really see that transition, and you can see how much the filming industry had changed between those time periods. Yeah. I honestly just feel like, like... Oh, sorry. Well, I was agreeing with uh, just Erica real quick. It's just, like, how iconic Universal monsters were in, like, the 40s, 50s, and early 30s, whereas, like, I think the 80s were the year of slashers or the decade of slashers. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't so it was like a new face. <laughs> it was like a new face of horror. Whereas like those were the original faces, what you mentioned before, Erica, with the universal monsters. Whereas now we have a new, a new, the new faces of horror for that time period. The thing is with the 80s, that's that, that for me, it's just like they went so corny with everything. And it's just like, I love it. I thrive I like, off see, of I it. Like, I like the real horror. Like I like watching something and being scared. So it's like when when it, it when the eighties really took off with with you know Friday Thirteenth and and uh, especially Freddy Krueger. It's just like came. It got to a point where it was so unbelievable and not scary at all. It it kind of took more of a comedic turn. And, 
and I I don't necessarily appreciate that that style. Okay. See me, I'm I'm opposite. Uh, if it's a campy horror movie that came out in the '80s, sign me up. <laughs> See, I'm on it. that same page with you, Stephen. <laughs> I love it. I love anything from the '80s, especially horror. I'm I think very... I'm the only person who doesn't like them. So I'm very back and forth. <laughs> I I like cheesy movies if they're done right. I'm more towards serious side of it where I do like the realistic, like, I like being scared. I, it, it all goes back to my mood, I think. If I want if I want a good laugh, I know what to watch. If I want to be creeped out, I know what See, to watch. See, that's the thing at the True. end of the day. Yeah. Like, I like that anticipation of, of, of being scared and and that that's the whole point of watching horror for me is, is getting that scared feeling and it... it, it I feel like the 80s took that away for a long time. For a long time, the 80s forgot what it was to be scared. They turned it into a, a joke fest to me. In, in, it's not that they forgot what scary was. It's a societal thing. Like I think that you're actually seeing a real transition from a society who used to see those fake monsters and they're now seeing that the real monsters are human. Yeah, but that's, that's the thing though is that there was awesome movies, awesome terrifying movies that did that successfully. See, I the wouldn't... 80s wasn't, wasn't scary. The, the, there was Texas Chainsaw Massacre for instance. That's a truly scary movie that does that, that successfully shows that the humans are what you should be <coughs> Freddy Krueger doesn't do that for me. See, okay. <laughs> I don't, Jason doesn't do that for me. I won't say that the 80s lost that because people were genuinely scared. I think it was just a time thing. People were genuinely yeah. scared of Freddy Krueger when he came out. People were afraid of Jason. I like, don't know. I, I, I honestly feel like the first movies, yeah. I feel like once they started doing the sequels, it, it, it turned to a joke. It turned, it, like, they, they, they started... Horror, I don't know. I I'm, I can't be. Uh, I don't know if that... it's them as much as it is sequels in general, because you said the same thing in regards to the Universal sequels, that a lot of them, they just kind of like... They didn't go funny, but they just, they didn't They don't hold have up. that same, They exactly. don't hold up. But like, there's sequels that are, are really great, and, and like, that's the thing is, uh, I always go back to like, Evil Dead and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because they're such great series, but like, the, um... Evil Dead had had a way with the second one where they went super funny, but they were still really scary in that same aspect. Where I feel like, especially with Freddy Krueger, and, and it, like literally, Freddy Krueger is like the prime example of a movie that started out interesting and then just went like, okay, all right, where's the horror in this anymore? I can see where you're coming from, and in in terms of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, that is definitely a good example of the point you're trying to make. Getting back on with uh, Friday the 13th Part 3, uh, anyone have any standout moments that, you know, you just really, like, loved or even hated? I liked when the girl, uh, I liked the part where the girl was in the lake and she sees Jason come out in the mask, and it was really the first time we see him come out with the mask. And yes, she the reveal. It, and she thinks it's Shelly, and she's like, what are you doing? And then she sees, she's like, wait... Who are you? Like, I think that I love that part. Um, I already said I, I love the kill um, on the hammock. Uh, I like when Shelly <laughs> stepped the fuck up and ran that motorcycle over. Not this time. You took it too far. <laughs> Some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, all right. Yo, if you borrow my car and you show up with the 
busted windshield and just hand me the keys, I'm going to fucking deck you. All right? I give that guy a lot of credit. You don't just take someone's car, though, and be like, sorry, but, you know, kind of shit happens. Like, no, motherfucker, cough up the dough or, you know, like, shit's about to go down. I think Shelly's best pranks happened in his death. I think I read that he was actually just picked up on this, like, on the side of the road. Like, they just saw him, like, he was just picked up and they, yeah, and they, that's how they got him to do the movie. That's funny. That's really funny. Uh, can we talk about the Cheech and Chong characters? Oh, Sierra, when it first showed, when it first showed them in the back of the van, Sierra was like, is that Tommy Chong? And then it, like, it showed later on and it wasn't. wasn't. Dude, the girl's name was Chili. Was it? Yes, if you look, I can't remember the guy's name, but I just remember the girl's name was Chili. Jeez. Yo. Oh my gosh, they were like that comedic relief besides Shelly, them two. Hey man, like the guy sounds just like fucking Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> you know, that whole dude walking on his hands, that was a funny kill scene, I must say though. Oh. What, what does he get, like an axe shoved through him or like was it the machete? It, it was something. It was the machete, he I think. took the machete through the middle of him and it goes right through his... Man parts, pretty sure. I, I will say that was uh, the way they shot that scene. I, it was kind of a cool camera angle, though. Mm-hmm. Syrup. I'm going to give this movie a five. A five. A five. I just. Higher than the second one. No, the second no. one she gave a six. Oh, no. Six. Six. It's, it's slowly oh. gone down. But, <laughs> I, like I said, I'm not a huge. And I like slashers. I just don't like when they go for like the, the comical effect more so than the horror. If you're gonna do it, I just feel like it has to be a really good mixture. And for me, this movie just wasn't as successful as I'd hoped. I'm gonna give it an eight. Whoa! <laughs> she has like this shit-eating grin on her face. Right now. She was waiting for that. <laughs> and I am okay with this rating. Um, it's just it, to me, it's the iconic Jason. And I think again, and I keep repeating it, and I'm sorry that I'm getting old with my repeats here. But it's just the age thing. When I think of Jason, this is how I think of him. And it was fun seeing that. And it's fun having a face to to the legend, if you would. And I think the kills were good. And I like that it wasn't necessarily camp counselors that were getting off. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the biker thing was kind of fun. And, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I really like this one in comparison to the other ones. And I didn't think I was going to because, like, Sarah kind of touched on, like, I feel like you have a three limit. Like, if you're going to make a movie and you're going to make a movie with um, sequels, <laughs> you you stop at, you stop at, you, you know, you stop at either two or three. And so with some of these bigger franchises, I think they kind of, they kind of lose themselves as they keep going and it's more about money than it is about any sort of development with the story or the characters. But I like this one. This one was my favorite out of the three. And I mean, I like each of them individually for certain reasons. And the first one obviously was great and it started it all, but I like this one. All right. Before I give my rating, I have to shed some light on the scene real quick because I feel like deep enthusiasts of Friday the 13th would chew my ass if I didn't. The head-crushing scene with the fucking eyeball popping out. Yeah. Pops out, yeah. Oh, my God. That was made for 3D. 
It was so badly done, but so glorious I, in I, its all cheesy way. One scene that I did like that we didn't bring up was when um, what's the girl in the gang's name? Fox. Fox. Yeah. yeah. When she's swinging on the rope, and then and the then guy just... looks away, and then he looks back, and the rope <laughs> swinging, and she's gone. I like that scene. I thought yeah, that was that was, yeah. that was a good scene for sure. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I I got come on that head pop, eyeball pop, whatever. <laughs> oh, that was it was just so beautiful. And it's I think that right there so shows cheesy. how like strong Jason is too, because I don't think any normal person could squeeze a head that that. <laughs> oh yeah, he crushed him. Mm-hmm. But uh, going on to my rating, all right, three is a. I'm gonna give it. I'm going to give it a 6.5. This was an important installment, in, and now I'm looking at the series as a whole, and this is an important one because Jason finally gets the look that is the iconic Jason look that everyone has grown to know and grown to love or hate, however we want to look at it. Also, it's just that right amount of cheese in there for the LOLs and and the 3D effects that were poorly done. But there was also a scary side. Uh, Jason's face reveal. Well, like I said, uh, that image of him banging on the window, like it's almost like he's happy and excited looking at Chris in the lake. Seeing that uh, being in the third grade, that... That, that image was stuck in my head, and it was very <laughs> creepy, and it was very unsettling. Same with Mrs. Voorhees uh, pulling Chris into the water, even though, again, I don't like the way it was shot. The way she looked, with I don't know if she had snakes coming out of her or leeches coming out of her face or what, but like it was just so grotesque-looking, and it was so creepy. So <clears throat> there were those scary moments for me. So, uh, yeah, you know, it had its bad moments, but, you know, a lot of them do as they go on, but I could always find myself finding something to like about up to part eight, and uh, those are my reasons for my rating. Done. I am going to agree with Sierra and give it a five. Yes! I'm not always wrong! <laughs> I, uh, I do appreciate the movie for bringing the Jason that we know. Um, it did do a good job in creating an icon. It had some fun, cheesy scenes and some great kills, but it's one of those things where I enjoyed the more serious side of the series than I did the cheesy side to it, and I feel like this movie, for the most part, lost all the seriousness that the first two had. I liked the, uh, the first one with the overall plot of, you know, Jason's mom's looking for revenge. The second one, Jason's looking for revenge for what happened to his mom. He's got this shrine to her. It goes into, like, it goes into detail without going into detail, almost. And then this one, it was just straight, cheesy body count. So, I enjoyed watching it. I wouldn't say that I dislike the movie. It's just not my favorite. Give it a five. I think that's a fair... So now the Horror Haven average rating. I done fucked it all up for you guys, didn't I? No, it's cool. It's cool. It's a 6.12. I think that's a really fair rating for it. So Extremely it's fair. A 6.1. 6.1. Right on. 
Alrighty, so that pretty much wraps it up for this week's episode as we took a trip to Camp Blood to kick off this summer. Join us next week as we stick with the slasher theme movies as we do urban legend slashers. We're going to be covering Madman, The Burning, and The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Also, be on the lookout for a new Artist Spotlight episode where we'll be talking to Sylvester Barzi about his book, Planet Dead. Um, in addition to that, keep an eye on our website. We're always updating with new content. Uh, you can leave us a review, or you can check out reviews on past movies that we've done on the show. Uh, you can find us at www.horrorhavenmedia.com. You can also find yep. us on Instagram and Facebook at Horror Haven Podcast. All right. Have a great night. Enjoy the summer, everyone.